I'm Sarah Burr, host of the Uber Conference Ubercast. Today I'm speaking with Gina Bianchini, CEO of Mighty Bell. She's sharing her tips on how to help women have more successful meetings. Gina, you were just uh, speaking, being interviewed in front of about 300. I kind of wanted to ask you a few things that you set up there. One thing that you said that was really great is that women are not stupid. And you were referring to the fact that women are kind of regulating themselves when they bring something up in the boardroom or want to ask a question, but they don't want to be perceived um, a certain way. Can you elaborate on uh, why you think that way? Uh, Well, it's not how I think about it. It's actually what the research says. So the research says that there is a, um, as men become more competent, they become more likable. And as women become more competent, they become less likable. And that's true for both men and women in terms of perception of women. It's why, for example, you you hear a lot of times when someone's talking about a woman leader that she's a bitch. Um, She has a high degree of competence and not so much, because there's a high degree of confidence, likability goes down. So when women in you know, a team meeting, for example, regulate themselves in terms of either how much they say, the way that they have a seat at the table. Um, It is a result of years and years of socialization that that is what is expected of them. And that is actually going to help them get what they want, which is, you know, a role on a team and the ability to contribute and to make a difference. So that's what I mean by women aren't stupid. Um, We do these... No one, men or women, they don't, we don't do things that don't work for us. So the key is to start talking about it. Um, Identify that it's not a personal thing. It's not that you, for example, Sarah, I looked at your name tag, um, (laughs) that Sarah, you don't have presence in in a meeting. Have you ever gotten that feedback from somebody where they're like, you know, we really like you, but you know, you just need more presence. Um, They're actually expecting a male, you know, presentation of leadership when they say that to you. Um, You're not dumb. We're not dumb. Um, And yet, by identifying that it's not a personal thing, but it's a structural thing, namely that this is true for the dynamics that happen between men and women and perceptions of women that are different than men, um, we can actually start to change it. For example, one of the things you can do in a meeting, especially if there's either it's a a man or a woman in a meeting, um, but especially if it's two women, um, there's pretty strong evidence that women get interrupted uh, more than men by a factor of two or three. So one of the things that another woman can do in a meeting or even a guy who you have kind of on your team is stop and say, I'd really like to hear what Sarah has to to say about this, or I'd love Sarah to finish that thought that she just had and actually help the other people at the table, it, it accomplishes two things. One, it lets you, Sarah, speak and present that idea. But more importantly, people with high status are the ones that actually can call that in a meeting. So it actually makes the person who stopped the conversation to let you talk mm. more successful or more effective in that meeting as well. So it has like win-win situations and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very small but effective thing to do. So does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. So people in leadership roles paying attention to someone who's just been shut down and calling that out and calling that to attention can help your team. Not even leadership, other peers in the room. Mm-hmm. So 
the more that we know about these, the more that any team talks about these structural issues mm -hmm. and addresses them, the more effective the team will be. Okay. It's a, it's a competitive advantage. That, that sounds great. I'm actually going to apply that. Um, the other thing, you know, and we talk about meetings all the time at Uber Conference, uh, since we are a, a meetings you know, right. application. There's that. that. Sense, right? There's that. Uh. <laughs> makes perfect sense. Um, and you come off as a, obviously a very confident, uh, competent woman. And I wouldn't say that you're a bitch. Uh, I might have to take that out. But I wouldn't say that you're a, you know, a person that's perceived as... A jerk. As, right? A jerk. Um, but how do you, I mean, how do you get around that? Do you think it's, um, have you trained yourself to be perceived a different way? Or how, how do you deal with that? Um, it's a really good question. I, I, I try to be as authentically myself as I can be. Um, I try to focus on the things that I believe strongly in. I try to um, invest in other people in ways that work for me and hopefully work for them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I really do think, and, and I, I certainly did not define this, but courage, by definition, is knowing the risks of a situation, understanding the risks of a situation and doing it anyways. And I think as it relates to moving an idea forward, having a mission, that's really been important to me in, in my career. Um, and my mission is to bring people together in intimate communities around their interests and their passions and their goals. Right, it, that's the whole idea of Mighty Bell now. Yeah, That is right. Yeah. And, um, and that to me is, um, it just puts it all into perspective. Okay, that sounds, that's great. Um, one thing that I did want to go over with you is, uh, you know, we're here talking about failure at FailCon and learning from those failures. And you brought up a couple of different ones. Do you mind just talking about uh, maybe uh, when you've had to change course because it wasn't working and what you did and how you recognize that it wasn't working? There are, are probably too many examples. <laughs> <laughs> to, to name just one, um, no, it's 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 funny. You know, I was just I was just saying this to somebody. Um, you know, I have built products that have been used by you know tens of millions of people, and I've built products that have been used by ten people. Um, I think that the key is that that is what we do. That is our process. Making learning a part of one's identity and I think culturally making learning a part of our identity as entrepreneurs and as a you know innovation ecosystem I think that's really what's important um, you know that being said we live in an environment where so much of what we're doing is you know you gotta you kind of at times have to fake it till you make it and I think that's where this oh my god things are so amazing i don't even know what to do they're so amazing like i'm just drinking out of fire hose of awesome you know that's where that comes from and some people you know are better at it than others i find it to be boring mm -hmm. because ultimately as a as an entrepreneur and you know spending my day working with amazing engineers it's about problem solving and you know, being a heat-seeking missile for like whatever that problem, whatever the next problem that is coming towards us, and getting out in front of it. And so, I love to spend my time not at you know cocktail parties or launch parties 
talking, you know, in, in all of that sort of bravado of things are so awesome, but I'm much happier, um, you know, at small group dinners or even just one-on-one -on -one with entrepreneurs really figuring out like how do we solve whatever problems are in front of us and, and whatever challenges that are going that are, that are really when we think about it the reality the day-to-day -day reality of being an entrepreneur yeah well i mean everyone has their failures you know it's not necessarily a failure it's a problem that we can figure out how to solve right so that's great uh, i really like that attitude and i think that's the right attitude obviously you are a very successful woman and you've taken that attitude um on that note and i hate to say oh you know um, as a female entrepreneur, because that's kind of played up a lot, but women are looking to you as a success story, and there's so few of them that we need those leaders, we need those people to look up to. What would you, what advice would you offer um, a gal who wants to start her own business, maybe especially in Silicon Valley, what advice could you give to her about how to break through? Learn how to sell. Bring, start with customers. It's more important for women entrepreneurs to start with their customers than any other kind of entrepreneur because there will many times and and this has a, a lot to do with with just like silicon valley is about pattern recognition because we're working in a world where there's really there are no metrics so it is about pattern recognition um and unfortunately to date, women don't fit a lot of patterns, women entrepreneurs, other than as e-commerce founders. And there's very successful women founders in e-commerce, and I think that that's a real bright spot in, in entre technology entrepreneurship for women. Um, so because you don't fit a pattern, or we don't fit a pattern that well, we're not going to get a lot of forward credit the way that perhaps a male engineer coming out of Stanford or coming out of Harvard is going to get, or coming out of Y Combinator is going to get relative to a woman. So the best thing you can do if you're starting day one as a woman, you know, entrepreneur, figure out something where you control your own destiny. So one of my favorite companies is, is run by an amazing woman. It's called House. And the CEO is a woman named uh, Adi. And she is amazing. Like, if anybody wants to go, like, look at, like, interviews with her or just what she's built with House, it is just a raging success story. Partly because she just did it. She, investment came and found her. She didn't go out looking for it. Really? And is that, is that H-O-U-S-E? Oh, H-O-U-Z-Z. Z-Z, okay. Um, if, if you look at something like Stella and Dot and, and Jessica Heron at Stella and Dot, that is a cash flow positive business at the very beginning. And she built it slowly by focusing on the fundamentals of the business and then took venture capital. Um, assuming that the same rules apply for women that they do for men in terms of raising money for building technology companies on spec, it does not seem to work that well. And so... Rather than, you know, try, try to run into a brick wall 85 times and hurt your head, um, I think it's really smart to understand what your mission is, figure out how to build a business where you can go get your customers first. Ideally, you're building cash flow positive businesses, and then, then based on that, go try to raise money. Okay, okay. Those are really good advice. That's really good advice. Um, do you see 
change happening in the next generation? Do you see the same thing happening all over again? You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I, I look at it and every generation, I mean, it's the great, you know, Winston Churchill quote that, you know, if, if you're young and you're conservative, you don't have a heart. And if you're older and liberal, you don't have a brain. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that just happen as you get older. And I think that that this next generation has an opportunity to change the course. Technology is changing. Whenever there is massive technology change, you have the opportunity to change not only economic conditions, but social conditions as well. Cultural change is possible today in a way because of this major disruption, because of things that you're doing um, with Uber Conference and other products. If we don't look at how to build more opportunities for women to lean into their careers and lean into their ambitions during this technology, technological change, um, it will be a missed opportunity. Thanks for joining me, Sarah Burr, on the Uber Conference Ubercast. That was CEO of Mighty Bell, Gina Bianchini.